What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Middle Cup! ABA! Mixing it up a little bit today on the show. That we are, guy. You gotta, you gotta throw curveballs when they think the fastball's coming. Yeah, yeah. We don't do a lot of this, but when we do it, uh, we like it, so maybe we'll do more. You guys seem to like it. We have a guest on the podcast today. Not the whole thing, but on it. Yeah, Bruce Feldman covers college football, has a book coming out, spent last year with uh, with Ed Ogeron, Joe Brady, Joe Burrow, uh, and covers college football, so we talk a little college uh, quarterbacks because there's a team in the Bay Area that might need a quarterback uh, in, in this draft, so uh, we will uh, we'll talk to Bruce. Plus, we got Ohio State, Nebraska, Big Ten starts this week, Mountain West, some of them start this week. Uh, so we'll ask him about Justin Fields because Ohio State's got the big noon kickoff against Nebraska on Saturday. Yep. Let's do it. Let's talk to him. Uh, well, we're going to do that later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk to him later. Podcast brought to you by Ease.com, promo code HAM and Ease.com, promo code HAM10, HAM10, if you're a returning user. E-A-Z-E dot com. Go right now. E-A-Z-E dot com to get your pre-rolls, your edibles, your vapes, your topicals. If you like cannabis, which it's all the rave because everyone does. And if you've never tried it, order some edibles, order a topical, order a vape. Check it out. Try it out on us. Promo code HAM for first-time users gets $20 off a purchase of $50 or more. Or returning users, type in HAM10 and get yourself a little 10% discount. Guy, how do you beat it? They deliver it to your house. Uber eats a weed. You just press a button, boom, delivery right outside your house. It's yeah. very easy. Incredibly convenient. Uh, they are they fine-tune and test and test everything they sell. So you're getting consistent quality with ease.com. Uh, if you've already been getting the consistent quality because you're a returning user, use Ease10. Tell your friends. We appreciate the word of mouth. 21 and over, verified online in minutes, delivery to you in minutes, wherever you may be. Uh, Do it. Get on it. Podcast also brought to you by Hawthorne. 
Hawthorne.co. Promo code HAM. Hawthorne.co. There's an E at the end of Hawthorne. H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E. Hawthorne.com. Promo code HAM. Yeah, you know one thing I've always struggled with is getting cologne for myself. Yeah. You know, I and I did, I went to Hawthorne.co. Uh, Hawthorne.co with an E. And I know you did too. I filled out a little survey about just my skin type, my my hair, uh, what type washes I like to use, what I smell like. How about when they ask and, your favorite drink and then they mix some, they do some mixology with the odors there? Oh, different yes, Maximus. V- v- very cool. And then they sent me a face wash, some cologne. I've been wearing it the last couple of days. I smell fantastic. I've never known what cologne to buy. I haven't owned cologne in a long time. And they sent me stuff. I smell fantastic. Self men grooming. It's it's hard to beat because I, I don't think we, we need a lot of help when it comes to these products. What do you wash your face with? You know, what do you wash your body with? I, I don't ever know. You know, I just kind of go into the store. Now I'm just going to go to Hawthorne.co uh, and get my stuff. That's right. Upgrade your self care routine. Fun and convenient. It is fun to take the thing. You're like what? And and by the way, if you're like I don't know what kind of skin I have, you just say you don't know, and then they find out a different way. Uh, and they take the risk out of buying. They give you free shipping on your order and on returns. So if you don't like your products, they can retailer them for you based on your feedback. 10% off. Do what we did. Take Hawthorne's quiz today. Then get uh, started on your personalized self-care routine. Go to Hawthorne.co and use the promo code HAM for 10% off on your first purchase. Yep. H-A-W-T-H-O-R. N-E, Hawthorne.co, C-O, promo code HAM, Hawthorne.co, promo code HAM. 10% off. Go do it. Do it. Niners patch this week, John. Once upon a time, if the stars had aligned, maybe be a Super Bowl preview. This week, I got to double check. I think I read it's the second lowest total in over-under in the league in the NFL this week. Um, And you, you were telling me the Niners are not favored in this game. Last I checked this morning, mybookie.ag, promo code HAM1, plus two and a half. Now, the game is, I think this used to resonate a lot more. We've been talking a lot about this. Vegas hasn't really adapted this year yet to the home field. I don't think they know what to do. In fairness, I I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer, but playing at Foxborough, it's not a morning game either. I mean, for us, it's 125, so for them, it's a 425 kickoff. That, that would have been over the last couple decades, if not the most. I mean, I know it may not be, quote-unquote, the loudest, but definitely the most hostile environment where you go, we were not going to go into Foxborough and win, right? Like, that was just, you were going to lose that game. If you just thought we had to go on the road to the Patriots, Tom Brady, Belichick, all those guys, then half his team opted out, Tom Brady left. It's like, th- this team is not... I, we still have a lot of respect for Belichick, but the Patriot team that we're used to saying, like, when you said the Yankees, it resonates right now or over the last couple of decades. If you said the Yankees in, like, the early 90s, it wasn't the same. Like, this team, the Patriots, listen, I have a lot of respect for the head coach. I think he's the greatest ever. What he's dealing with right now, his unit and just his group of players, is a shell of its former self. But I do think of, it's it's been eight years since the 49ers went in there with Kaepernick. Do you remember? It was like rainy and It looked cold. so cold. Oh. And the Patriots almost pulled off this crazy comeback. Kaepernick was through four touchdowns. Brady threw 65 passes in that game. Um, Crab- Niners t- won. Randy right? Moss. Had, yeah, Niners won. But the Patriots scored 24 points in the fourth quarter. They almost came back. Um, I think the 49ers... Was that a Sunday night game? It was. Yeah. 
I think, and I think they were going to play like Monday night, the Seahawks the next week, or they had just, maybe they had just played the Seahawks on Monday night football. It was some weird, uh, back to back, but, uh, I, when you look at this game, when you start comparing, right, Cam just came back. Now we talked about Cam on the podcast, the first podcast of the week. I don't think he's getting some big contract, but you said it and you can't deny like his skill guys, right? If you just compare skill players on these two teams, it's not even without Raheem Mostert, who's out in all likelihood, it's not even close. You agree with that? Niners versus Patriots skill guys. If you would have told me just over the two years of body of work, watching Nikhil Harry, and I, I probably watched Nikhil Harry much closer than I did Brandon Ayuk when he was in college, yeah. I would, I, I would. Uh, he was part of that. I right would have predicted the Nikhil opposite. was for three years. You're like, okay, this guy. Yeah, he just hasn't. Like, it's pretty clear. Like Brandon Ayuk is going to be a pretty impactful NFL player. I think there are still a lot of questions on Nikhil, and it's crazy to say. I guess my overall point is, I would have assumed before the draft. I would have rather had Harry than Ayuk, and that's wrong. I, I think Ayuk is the more every team in the league would take Ayuk over Harry. Is that fair to say right now? Including yes. the Patriots. Yep. Would would trade that one. Yep. I think that I think that's fair. And really, and they've Edel, got Edelman's old, and you know they're just can't. It, the reality that to me their main issue is, and I remember you said this, the game before Cam got Corona and. Uh, who did they play? I'm trying to after the after right the uh, after oh, they, the, Seahawks, oh, the the, Ra- the Raiders, Raider game yeah yeah and the first half he just wasn't they ended up winning I mean the score looks a lot better he threw 160 yards it was like whoa this doesn't kind of look like that Seattle game because I think the Seattle game Sunday night football is like Cam Newton's back you know threw for 397 yards is like running him at the goal line the last two weeks now he missed the one in the middle of the Chiefs game. He's been shitty, guy. 162 yards, 157 yards. Even the first game against the Dolphins, 155 yards. Like, they are playing a quarterback based on this season. The Seattle game's an outlier. He's a 150-yard-a-game passer. Like, that's that's just who Cam Newton is. And I, I'll defend him a little. Like you said, the skill guys suck. You know how many pat, uh, receiving touchdowns Edelman has this year? One. Zero. Yeah. Well, he's he's just he hasn't been that good. He looks older, looks a little slower. His hands have always been a little bit of an issue. It's weird for like a sure-handed slot guy. He does drop some passes. He just makes clutch catches, though. Historically that's, in his career, maybe that's part yeah. Of that's that, that helps. I'm a huge Jules guy. Like I'm a huge fan of him. Uh, but to me, he's this is his last year on the Patriots. Is that fair to say? Yes. Like, just, yep. He'll yeah. be done. The other part of this is, and I saw Shanahan, somebody asked Shanahan during his press conference on Monday, like, what is it? You've gone against Bill three times. You've had pretty good success from an offensive standpoint. What is it that he does best? And he's like, well, he just takes away your best player. And we've seen it, particularly with the tight ends, right? Because now you would agree, too, I think, Kittle looks 100%. Like, Kittle looks fantastic. Waller was two catches for nine yards, none in the first half when the game mattered. Kelsey was three for 70. Mike Gesicki, John, was three for 30. I think the one thing when I look at the Niners is they can deal if you take their best. If you take their best player away, like Shanahan can deal with that. So I, that part of this game, I mean, Belichick should worry you every week. He does. That part of what he's done doesn't, doesn't overly concern me because I think we see repeatedly Kendrick Bourne making the biggest catch of the game or, you know, up there with the biggest catches of the game. So that that part doesn't, overly concerned me either this week. I don't know how you feel about that. I'd say a defining attribute of Kyle Shanahan, like it or not, is is distribution to everybody. He's not like a force feed, 
one guy, 12 targets. Now that happens, I think organically in some games, but I think ideally, like they like Kittle at seven or eight, and then the other guys at five or six, multiple guys at five or six. Like most of their games don't have a guy with 14 catches and then everyone else has three or four catches, right? Yeah. It's typically like when I think a Kyle Shanahan successful game. Yeah, they they run the ball a lot. They hand the ball off to their wide receivers. Hell, they hand the ball off to Kittle, which probably Belichick, why does he have success against them? Because like, who do you take away? Like they've won a lot of games where Kittle's had two, two, three catches. Like they don't, they don't need Kittle to go off to win. Hell, he went, I mean, he had a borderline historic game right against the Eagles when he had like the 15 catches for 180 yards and they lost. I'd say that you don't, I think they'd like to avoid that. It's like a little bit of basketball. Like they, they'd rather have multiple guys with 20 than one guy get 35 and everyone else in like the low teens. Yeah. Cause it just keeps everyone involved. And, and, And it feels like as a play caller, he's more in rhythm when he's going left, right. Not just force feet, force feet. Like that's Kyle's to me, his greatest strength is like, if Kyle was a boxer, you wouldn't be like, well, he just he's got an uppercut. No, it's like, no, his uppercut's solid, his his right hook solid, his left jab's good. Like, you kind of gotta be it's like Floyd. He's coming kind of coming from everywhere. He's not Mike Tyson, where some I'm trying to think of an offensive coach. That's probably a, an Andy Reid strength overall, is he he can feed it to everybody. He just gets a little probably, and they talked about it on the Monday night broadcast. You know, it's like he always says he wants to run the ball, then he starts throwing it. Like Kyle's strength is he literally wants to run it. Yeah. Like he, it's it's kind of opposite of most young coaches. It's like we want to run. You're like, no, you really mean pass? No, like we want to run. I also don't you think from a coaching standpoint, for somebody to have like a Mike Tyson hammer, that's about a player. Right? Yeah, it's like you have Julio or Hopkins. You just force feed. Um, but the other part of this game is that they need it. Like after what happened on Monday Night Football, <laughs> the second game, uh, the Cardinals game. Blowing out the Cowboys. I mean, the Niners were last place in the NFC West. The, that's the problem. One thing I would say just on the over-under in this game, do you know the only game that's under this point total? What it is this week? The what the matchup? Is it whoever well, the Jets play? No, it's the Giants Eagles game. Oh. So the, the Jets Bills game is is a point higher than the Niners. So it just shows you like I would probably take the over, but I I took the over in the Monday night game and got burned, so who knows. Uh, if, if you're talking a game is going to be 17 to 10, like that's kind of going to be a boring slugfest, which might just be the way the Niners have to win. The problem will be big picture. They will have to pivot really quick after this game. Like that's like the style in which they won the Rams game and then hypothetically how they can win this game is not going to work the next three-week stretch, right? Yeah. Yep. Just even the Saints, who Drew Brees is older right now. It's Phil, Michael Thomas will be back. Kamara is going to score touchdowns. Like they still got Jared Cook. Obviously, the Packers can score because you don't play defense like Tampa. So it's like you can just and maybe it's just live in the moment, win this game, and then worry about that later. I, I do think there is something in like you got to get Jimmy. Like you can't you can hide him this game fine and win, but eventually like you can't hide him against Seattle. So you're just going to be like, oh, we're just going to lose that game. Like, don't you want him to throw? No, some- you'll have to make you'll, he'll have to make plays. But I don't think you can play this game. I think the first thing you said is right. Like, a- aka, live in the moment. I don't think you can play this game because I think the margins are just so thin, right? In terms of you just got to execute consistently and constantly, and you can't have Jimmy throw a pick six. You've got Garland's out. 
I mean, they say Hronis Grasso is the third string center, John, but that's if you don't. Ca- so Richburg got hurt. Jake Brendel opted out. Spencer Long retired. <laughs> now Garland's hurt. Now we're at Grasso. Uh, Tart's got the groin. They'll reevaluate. Trent Williams sprained an ankle. I don't think you can go. I don't think there's going to be the opportunity in this game to be like, all right, we can relax a little. Let's work on some stuff for next week with Jim. I'm not saying work on some stuff. No, I know, but, but there, I, you're there's right. a chance that it, this game is just maybe you're down 17 to 10 and Jimmy has to throw. Like you yeah. can't. You to me, and I'm not trying to be ignorant of like the the main goal this week is to win the game. But you can't just like approach games. That's what shitty teams do. Like we got to hide our quarterback. If that's your mindset, like you could, no. you agree, you could lose any week. Absolutely. But I guess what I'm saying is, I don't think we'll know. Like, is Jimmy back up to the task ahead of time? I think we'll get that answer in the moment that we need to find it out. Yeah, because Kyle's not going to do it until he has to. I I got a a text from a buddy in the NFL. He's probably just bored at work, like looking at the lines. Yeah, Andy's Reed, like it, every every week. Uh, Andy checks my bookie. Not 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 him. Oh. He uh, he just said, "God, is the line? What's up with the Niners line?" Basically saying, "Like, why aren't the Niners favorite?" Isn't that how we felt last week? It felt too but, small. Yeah, but this one is like the Patriots' offense is gross. I know. Like this is like at the end of the day, the Niners when they lost to the Dolphins. That was kind of crazy. But the Dolphins might not be as shitty as we thought. Like, this one... But the score it just, was... To me, a huge part of them just being favored is because it's in Foxborough. But what does that matter? Because they're one of the places where there are just no fans allowed. Yeah. It is a long flight. There, There is something to that, right? It's a long travel. Uh, the Niners do have a lot of... I mean, the Mo- the Modstert injury, right? I, it's easy to talk yourself into yeah. banged up. I get it. It's Bill. The but the Patriots, just to begin with, will just missed half their defense. For sure. And, yeah. You know, Edelman has been banged up. Cam just has missed time. Uh, the, the one thing you would say, though, if they can take Kittle away, they do have Stephon Gilmore to just put probably on Debo or Ayuk so yeah. they can take that guy away. Yeah. So it's just Kendrick Bourne and whoever the other wide receiver that Gilmore is not on. I think that will be pretty telling if Gilmore, Gilmore follows one of the two of them around who Belichick thinks the better wide receiver is. Well, we know who the most productive has been, and that's Debo, right? Like, is this the game where Ayuk just – it's not about it, – I don't want to say gadget, but it's about can you just throw the ball to Ayuk, six, have him six catches down the field? Is that going to happen on Sunday? Well, you're playing, you, But you're playing a team that runs – like Edelman threw two passes last week, two. Like they ran multiple One to passes. Cam, right? <laughs> yeah, so yeah. they are – I'm not anti-gadget. I'm just saying. But to me, when you're running double passes, like you, you're running – but these are two teams running gadget shit because yeah. you know why? Their passing game sucks right now. Both of them. They're kind of – you know that Spider-Man gif? It's not even a gif. It's where just a picture po- where they're both pointing at each other. other yeah. That's kind of these two teams, like just pointing at each other. Yeah. Because when you're running double passes, multiple in a game, and the Niners are fucking doing whatever they have to do – I think both of them are in somewhat of the same lane of like, we do not feel great about our passing For sure. And the difference, like you said, is the Niners do have way more talent to throw to. Yeah, and it feels like it's more... Now, I guess the Patriots have always kind of done this. It does feel like that part of that is more just in Kyle's DNA, right? Like if Kyle were a pitcher, he would not be 100-mile-an-hour fastballs, right? He'd be the guy that you walk back to the dugout like, how did he get me on that? Like, I didn't see that pitch coming. Well, wouldn't you say Josh is a little like that, too, as a yeah, play caller absolutely. over the years? Yep, for sure. I, when I watch the Patriots, I actually see, and this is probably why Belichick likes Kyle so much, you see a lot of Kyle in, I, I say Josh, but just the Patriots' mindset of, 
we'll do whatever we have to do to win this game. Like I don't, I have a run philosophy, but if it doesn't work and I got a pass to win, I'll do it. Like I, for the most part, I, I think Kyle falls into the Patriot way of not being that stubborn. And I know he's had some bad low moments and I think most coaches have, but game in game out, he's pretty open-minded to do whatever works to get it done. Yeah. And he'll pivot if something's not working. Right. Yeah. What my dad would always say to me when I was trying to like, help him put something together and I was getting frustrated which was usual because I'm not that's not my that skill's yeah. not in me he, brains over brawn like be smarter than the desk be smarter yeah. than the screw <laughs> like god damn it why right. won't the screw in the like, well, like, get the well screw in. you're not gonna do it on one you're not gonna get it done sitting down stand up I'd always be like sitting yeah. with like the thing on my lap you know doesn't work yeah. now I pay somebody <laughs> that's why you get up so early to work <laughs> Sunday night football. Raiders off a bye. Bucks who just got the Packers off a bye and kicked their ass, but they were kind of coming off a, like you said, it's kind of unfair to the Packers that the Bucks are coming off Thursday night football. This is, I think this is the biggest Vegas matchup for sure that we've had so far. We had the Saints in there early. This one feels bigger. Brady in Vegas and it's Sunday night football. Uh, I know it's not a coming out party because the Raiders just beat the Chiefs, shocked the world. But this would feel if Gruden and Carr pulled this one off on Sunday night football after they beat the Chiefs, which means no letdown. You beat the Bucks after the game they just played. I I think this would kind of feel like they've taken another big, huge step forward. I think a big reason, like as you go in the season, games just feel bigger than they did earlier because there is some unknown week one or week two, like how good a team's going to be because we assume. Part of that Raider win against the Saints was, well, the Saints have been a powerhouse for four or five years, and it looks like, well, maybe they'll be a little bit of a shell of themselves. This, to me, like you watch Monday Night Football, and you see the both 4-1, and one, both 4-1. and one. It's why, like, late in the season when you see, like, a 10-2 and two play a 9-3, and three, it's like, God, this feels really big because there's a lot on the line. Even though these teams aren't in the same conference, like, this is a playoff game more for the Raiders. I think it's fair to say Tampa's going to the playoffs. The Raiders do have to earn their way there in the sense of, like, Tampa's got the talent, they have the coaching staff, their defense is fantastic. The Raiders just got to find a way to get to nine games. And I think one thing we've learned over the years is, like, what's so big to win a game like this is because any game with the Raiders, even this year to me, is, like, not a lock win. Like, you play the Chargers, I don't just – they're going to beat the Chargers. Because I think most people go, oh, look at the schedule, the division, like – you see the Broncos, like they can have their moments. They still got a lot of talent. I, I, I by no means assume the Raiders are going to go four zero in those games. Is that fair? Yeah, I no, I agree with you. I don't assume anything. I think what the Chiefs game did was it just changed what you think they what their ceiling could be, but it doesn't. They haven't proven the consistency yet, right? They've just now shown a ceiling because they also have moments where they can feel overwhelmed in a game when it's not going right, like against like the Bills. They just kind of got shoved around. The Patriot game is a good example. Like Cam was off, but they were the. Did you ever consider the Raiders in that game watching it? You know, it was like the, uh, the Patriots. No, early just, they were around, but they didn't. You're right. The score felt closer than the game. So then you see a game like the Chiefs, and you go, "Your ceiling is a playoff team." And if you can put back to back games together, because if you win this game, well, you're, you're ce- in. You, do you mean that your ceiling's your ceiling is beyond a playoff? I mean, well, I I just think you make it to the playoffs. The way the NFL works, you get your one-game shot, okay. you know, just live week to week. They would have enough talent to win a playoff game. But, like, they would be the 6 or 7 seed. They would be playing on the road. They'd be an underdog. It'd be tough. 
right? They'd be yeah. I'm just saying when Pittsburgh. you beat the Chiefs, I think we got to give you a little more ceiling than just making the playoffs. Yeah, which I don't. I think would you're say saying th- that yet. they're not going to be like a ten point underdog in the playoffs. They'd be like three or four. Hell, they might be good value. Uh, but I think when you look at the next two weeks in a vacuum, this game's big because next week's huge. Like that next week Browns game is a tiebreaker game to me for a sixth or seventh wild card spot, probably the seventh, right? Because when you look at I think it's pretty clear the AFC playoff picture's already taken shape. You got two teams locked in the AFC North. Steelers, uh, Ravens. Those teams are playoff teams. Mm -hmm. Chiefs, lock playoff team. I think the Bills are a lock playoff team. And they've already beat the Raiders, so that's four. Then the Titans, to me, feel like a borderline lock playoff team. And the Colts, their team is just so talented, like they're going to get to nine or ten. So that's... The one spot I think it's kind of taking shape is kind of the Raiders and the Browns. And that's where you win this week. All of a sudden you're four and two. Are you feel are you going to that game with a ton of confidence? Like to me, either way, you're going to that game feel pretty well because you'd be coming off a loss. It's easy to get up for law after losses. Or you just beat the Bucks and Chiefs back to back games, you're like, we're gonna fucking beat the Browns and just be rolling to the playoffs. But this week, just playing well. The one thing you see with the Chiefs is they do kind of pick their spots. They wanted to beat the shit out of the Ravens. They housed them. They they lost to the Raiders. They played the Bills on the road, bad environment. That game really wasn't close, right? They they punked Josh Allen. Like they 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 housed him. The the uh Todd Bowles, I think right now in NFL circles, people consider him the best defensive coordinator. Like that's a tough matchup for Derek, you know, just that matchup in a vacuum, just how aggressive he is. I mean, they just destroyed Aaron Rodgers. And I think when you watch him play, they blitz a lot. They're just, he's a tough guy to play. And it's just a big moment for Derek on a big stage with a lot of people watching. And, and there's extra eyeballs with Tom, right? It's just that, that makes the game as like the Raider game against the saints was huge. Monday night football, Drew Brees, Sean Payton. Those guys are rock stars. Tom is bigger than both those two guys combined. So just what Tom brings to the table, and then the Bucks just being kind of good, but it's just Tom. Like, that's just, there's going to be a lot of eyeballs. And, and, and defense of, like, what I'm saying, they passed the first test. They beat the fucking Saints on Monday Night Football with a lot of people watching. Yeah. And last week, they beat the Chiefs. That was, uh, that was Nance and Romo, right? Like, that was a big game. Mm-hmm. So th- this game, it, it just gets bigger, and that's part of being a playoff team. Right. For the first time in a while, it just it just only like we saw it last year with the Niners. It just it exponentially grows. There's on no, oh, all right, we made it. Let's take it. Let's exhale. No, because like you win this game, which would be a huge win for them. All of a sudden, it's like, well, you can't then drop the game to the Browns, right? Right? Because then they'd have a better record than you. In theory, they play the Bengals this week, but they'd have a better record than you, and that they just beat you. So you just gave all this equity that you earned back. Is it fair to say though? If you could, if, if you had to win one of these next two games, you'd rather win the Browns game than this game, just based on playoff implications. Yeah, the fact that they're in your, the fact that you're that you'd be fighting with them for a playoff spot, and they're in your conference. Yeah, because is it fair to say we know for a fact if the Browns are going to make the playoffs, they're going to be a wild card team. They cannot win the division, right? They've already been beat by both those two teams. Those two teams are better. They're just, like they're going to be. Look at them, and they're better. Like I watched them in the Raiders. The Raiders to me are a better football team than the Browns. So their only goal is to be the seventh seed. And right now, what do the Raiders want to be? The seventh or sixth seed. So it's like you're fighting with them. But you can't look past this game. But I think this game is a huge test. 
for just Derek. I mean, I, I I think it's a huge game. He had a he had his best game under in the Gruden era by a mile. Can he do that against a? Uh, I think it's fair to say a much more aggressive defense yeah, than Todd was, Bowles. This this almost feels like you're moving the goalposts on the Raiders to say this, but it's. Not, I mean, the Chiefs have been so dominant against them, particularly in Kansas City. It's not fair to then turn around and go, well, maybe the Bucks game is tougher. But in some ways, right, a team that can still score but also defends. Now, I guess on paper, I think the Chiefs, the Chiefs defense is actually like what they did against the Bills was pretty impressive. Um, I think it's tougher whenever you're playing an uncommon opponent, just in the sense of the Chiefs had kicked their ass, but they do have a lot of. You you should just feel more comfortable, even if you're even if it's Mahomes. Like you have seen him under Gruden and Derek now four times. Gunther has a lot. They, you see him on the cross tape in your division. Like there's a reason we always say division games. Like the Browns and Bengals. Would it shock you if the Bengals beat them? Of course not. They played earlier this year. They've they've played similar opponents. You just you What's have the, a better feel for your division. Did you say? Did you have the line on this game in front of you? Uh, I think the Raiders are minus three. Or excuse me, the Raiders are plus three. Okay. So the it's basically the the way I look at it is like a six point swing, right? Because you get three points for just being at home. Are they? But do you feel like Vegas is giving you three for home this year? I do. Yeah, they still are. Because what would you say if I said, "Guy, you're the bookmaker"? What would your line be on this game? Probably my line. Would be, my line would be bigger. Your line would be Raiders plus five. Yeah, I'd go Vegas own like. Four and a half, five to four and a half to five and a half, somewhere in that. Yeah, and that might. And after the game, if the Raiders win, it might not even be fair. I just think based on Tampa's just got a little more talent. I also think they match up pretty well, right? I mean, they got Godwin's back now. Uh, you got to give him credit. Like he Gronkowski looked just. I only watched the first half really because they were kicking their ass. He did look a lot better, right? Just Tom's going to yeah, him to I mean, kind of get on the same page. Look athletically, no, but I'm just saying like plays. They're they're on the same page again. Like yeah. he just placed he's a couple involved. balls. Gronk knew. Yeah, yeah. He's they involved. ran a tight end screen for him. Yeah, I think this is a great matchup. Just a coaching standpoint, Todd Bowles against John Gruden. Like that's fun. You know, I mean, Todd Bowles just kicked Matt Lafleur's ass. And I think John kind of that that's shit he likes, right? Like he gets up like to me, he's like, I'm playing Todd. Yeah, I, I, like, I think I, that kind of gets him going. Uh, you know, you're 100 percent right. I do, and I said it the other day, so I don't need to get back into it too much. But I, I don't think I think I think the Packers still might be better than the Bucks, or at least as good of them as them. I just think that once you had the back to back picks, picks one and the pick six, the whole thing just felt like it fell apart, right? Um, so. I don't. That felt more like Todd Bowles beat the pack. I don't. That didn't feel like a Lafleur got his ass kicked to me. That felt like it, things went wrong, and then the whole thing fell apart for everybody. There was nothing Lafleur could do. But that. But you're right. That is. That's Bowles's deal. Like he makes that happen to you. Well, to me, the the defining Bowles attribute is <clears throat> he just stays pedal to the metal. So he's gonna bring heat. He's gonna be aggressive. Every time you look up, he's got seven, eight guys at the line of scrimmage. Now their DBs aren't great. But their front seven, I had a coach told me that he thought they were the them and the Colts were the best in the league. So now v- Vita's out. They just traded for uh, one of the Jets. Just gave him a nose tackle. But it's like you talking about the Bucks. I'm talking about the Bucks. Vita Vey got hurt, so they traded for the Jets nose tackle like right after the game. And this is no shot at Vita Vea, who I've had people in the league that is like he's their best defensive player. 
if you said you could lose a de- if you had eleven guys on defense and your defense was just one of the best in the league, if you could choose the guy to lose, you'd probably choose a nose tackle before you choose like a corner or a pass run, like an end. Like he is, despite being a he was becoming a fantastic player. You're not saying it you is would choose him. You're just saying if you had to choose one. Yeah, like you yeah. could find a you could trade for a shitty team, like get a three hundred and thirty pound guy that at least just can plug the gap, you know? I mean, but they used what, what pick was he like twelve? Yeah, he was high. You, you know who's become like their dominant player is Devin White, the guy that the Raiders passed on for Cleveland Farrell. Yeah, I I think one thing that gets overlooked about this game because we've just talked about Vegas for so many years, but you could hear it on Sunday Night Football this last week when Al and Chris were talking about it. Was just we've got a Sunday Night Football game in Las Vegas. Like, because yeah. Al and Chris were like, "Did you ever think this was going to happen?" I think we kind of take for granted how. Just because it's been a converse, it's been part of our discussions for so long. Um, you wish there could be fans to make it feel like, you know, everyone that has. I, I do think it'll really feel whenever, hopefully, 2021. That knock if you're with me. It, it'll kind of be their opening yeah. moment. Yeah, maybe they'll. Yeah, well, I they'll be getting, maybe they'll get the see, opener. Would you see? Right, would it shock you? No. If the Rams and the Raiders kind of get a get back, like one gets Monday, one gets Sunday. Sometimes, like I, I think that's only fair. And the Raiders were, I think, officially it was it was in the last like five or six days got the Super Bowl 2025. Because I think it's pretty clear, like this Vegas thing's gonna be cool and work. Well, they, and, and don't forget they get the, they were supposed to have they're gonna they have the Pac-12 title game too. That was something that they've got built in. And didn't they push the draft back next year if they right. can do it? Yep. You know. It, it, listen, we've all been to Vegas. It's 2020. Like you'd be stupid to not. I mean, the Pac-12, aren't they? The Pac-12 is doing their basketball tournament forever there, right? It's become yeah. a hub just of tournaments for sports. Like it, it makes a lot of sense now that the Raiders are there just to do. Is that are they going to host a national championship? Right, absolutely. Probably I mean, in the would, next four you would or five think years, a basketball one too, a Final yeah. Four. Has Jerry hosted it at AT and T? You can do it there. I'm huh? pretty sure he had a final yeah, four. I th- I th- yeah, I think he has. Yeah, I hasn't think he? so. So you can do it. It just I think kind of sucks for the shooters. Doesn't make the backdrop a little but, weird. But they play every they play in the Georgia Dome, yeah. like everywhere. It's they just go part of the deal. Huge, yeah, it's eighty thousand. And they've been seats. doing that forever. Yeah. Oh, that remember Jerry did because there was like some seats that was yeah. like way up, obstructed, and some yeah. weird deal. Dude behind a pole or yeah. something. Mybookie.ag promo code ham one. That's how you do what we do, which is get in on the action. Uh, we'll get into our discussion about the lock of the week later on in the podcast. But right now, my bookie, it's simple. You bet, you win, they pay when you use the promo code HAM and the number one, John. They'll match that first deposit dollar for dollar up to $1,000. But remember, if you accept that bonus, you do have to bet the full amount before you can withdraw your money. You can also decline the bonus. But either way, use promo code HAM1 when you sign up because we get credit. MyBookie.ag, promo code HAM1. Guy, we got a Thursday night game. Giants-Eagles. I, I, you know, in probably before the season sounded a little bit better than it does now in the middle of October. Four-point line, Giants. We got some pretty interesting uh, games this week, though. Uh, obviously, the, two 40, the 49ers are an underdog. 49ers and the Raiders, both as dogs. Uh, the Niners on the road, but playing a team that's not as good as them. The Raiders at home playing the Bucks, as we just talked about. So I think there's some we'll talk about in the lock of the week. Seattle, Arizona, probably the most intriguing. And Steelers, Titans. There are actually some pretty good games this weekend, guy. Uh, remember, you were asking me about Ray's 
Dodgers the other day. Game one, if you listen to this on Wednesday, already happened. But the the uh, Rays are plus 135, money line, glass now, Kershaw, game one. What do you think? What's the I, series? I mean, the, clearly the Rays are pretty good. The series is... Uh, plus 175, Rays. That seems a little strong. I, I'd put it like plus 140. That's pretty good value for the Rays. Nope. Now, I haven't had much luck doing uh, underdogs <laughs> for... Uh, also, the Zozo, you want to gamble a little golf? Oh, Tigers yeah. Playing. Ty- everyone's uh, a bunch pro- of people. Promo code, uh, promo code ham one. DJ's out, but everyone else is in, basically. All right. Um, on that note, and college football. Did you say that? And college football. And college football. I, I know Nebraska is a huge underdog to... How about Clemson minus State. 46, John, against Syracuse this week? What do you think? Yeah, that, that number has gone up nine points in three days. Open to 37. That's pretty nuts. I saw somebody tweeted, uh, just listening to Dabo's press conference, I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure Syracuse is a national championship contender. Do you know what game I'm a little nervous for already? Because I could just see him losing to start off and then it just getting ugly quick. Is Harbaugh, do you know who he opens up with? Row the boat at Oh, yeah. Like, I... He's a three-point favorite. I don't know, man. I is he a lock to win this game? Because <laughs> I don't feel great no. about Harbaugh. I don't feel great about Harbaugh. He's got game, a new guy. quarterback. The guy, yeah. you know, would like beat out Dylan McCaffrey. Dylan opted out, transferred. I think he's in the portal. Yeah. So you can get you can get Michigan right now minus three. I honestly Minnesota's pretty good value there as a Harbaugh guy, but uh, I don't know. Yep. Don't don't feel great about that group. They lost their number one receiver, but Minnesota's still. What about Penn State minus six and a half against Indiana? Isn't Penn State way better in Indiana? You know, I, I well, we'll talk to Feldman when we talk to Feldman. He mentions the Penn State quarterback, so maybe you're yeah. onto something there. Let's dive into that. All right, Middlecoff, Bruce Feldman's with us. Time to talk some quarterbacks. A book out in a week. Uh, flip the script lessons learned on the road to the championship available October 27th, wherever you get your books. I've got, uh, I don't know if Bruce can see me, but I've got meat market right here, which is like, I know John, you've got it somewhere too, right? It's I have it too in the book. Heavy. It's in the, it's in the bookshelf. Yeah. I, I, I appreciate it. that guys. Thank you guy. Um, this book flip the script to me is actually probably, I always used to get asked, are you ever going to do a sequel to meat market? And I just didn't have the energy or didn't think it was going to work out that way. And then about a year ago, this idea kind of came into a little more clarity. And I saw how LSU was trending up and between Joe Burrow and Joe Brady and a bunch of good receivers. And I saw the evolution at Ed Ogeron had made, who was obviously the central figure in meat market and started working on a, on a book, another book proposal. And that's basically uh, flip the script is, is probably as close to a sequel to meat market as I will be able to get. You know, you've been college covering college football for a long, long time. Is it fair to say that, would you say that's the best team you've ever seen? Just start to finish and just the talent on the score? Yeah. You know what? I mean, the most talented team I've ever seen was the Miami team that had Ed Reed and it had ridiculous running backs and a crazy defensive backfield and everything. Um, the LSU team was, might be the best team I've ever seen. They certainly had, had, had the hardest road in terms of they had to go 15 to no and knocking off like one top 10 team after another. And so I spent pretty much the last month of the season with them inside. So I was, you know, in meetings and at practice and obviously on the sideline for games, 
And, you know, after, so they, they, I saw them, I got with them right the week leading into, and they, they uh, really thumped Georgia in the SEC title game. And that didn't surprise me. And I knew I had seen Oklahoma up close because I did a couple of their games for Fox. So I was like, they were not built to, to deal with LSU. But I thought Clemson or Ohio State, whoever came out of there, I was like, God, those teams are so talented. But after being really um, with them for a couple of games, I came away. I remember like leaving, leaving the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta thinking, nobody's beating this team because – they acted and, and like carried themselves exactly an hour before a kickoff like they do on a Wednesday practice. I mean, they were extremely loose and extremely confident. And they were like, I give that coaching staff a ton of credit because there were no clunker performances where we don't have our A game, right? I mean, they, they were taking people's best shot. And they got better as the season went on. Joe Burrow got better. Clyde got way better. The offensive line, which was a question mark going in, that got better. Patrick Queen went from an anonymous guy to being a first-round pick. You know, so um, if you'd ask me, oh, were they more talented than Miami team? I don't know if I would say that. But, you know, there was a part at the Combine um, right before the pandemic hit. We're in Indianapolis. And I saw – uh, Joe Brady, who had just gone to become the Panthers OC and we're in the, you know, John, you've been there within all the sky bridges and everything. And we were in, in that like convention center, like area, whatever. And I was talking to DJ Mangus, who's Joe Brady's right-hand man. They were both William and Mary football players and coaches. And, and DJ was next to him in the coach's box at LSU. Well, anyway, so he's with him at the Panthers. And so DJ and I are talking while Joe Joe uh, Brady is talking to Ken Dorsey. And I remember thinking, and, and DJ and I talked about this about like, okay, here it is. Like Joe should ask him, like, is my team better than yours? And <laughs> I said to, uh, I, I said to DJ, he's like, here's the problem. I said, the one area where, where LSU was significantly better than Miami was Joe Burrow just was like a different level. I mean, Ken Dorsey was a terrific college quarterback, yeah, he was. but he was not, operating the way Joe Burrow did. So, um, you know, long answer to that. I don't know. I, they're the most impressive team I would say I've seen for sure. You know, not to sound like I'm doing a book report here, but, uh, Bruce, I think one of the themes in your books, uh, is about how hard it is to find and develop quarterbacks. I mean, it's, it's in, it's early in meat market. You wrote a book called, you wrote a book all about it, the QB. And one of the things you wrote about was just part of the reason is that the elite quarterbacks have to get recruited and commit so early because they're so important. Uh, and yet we look around, like we got Gardner Minshew, who was a, who was this close to being on Nick Saban's staff. Um, and we've got Joe Burrow, right? Like what, what was Joe Burrow going to be if he didn't become Ed Ogeron and, and uh, Joe Brady's quarterback? Yeah. He was going to go to the university of Cincinnati where a, where obviously Luke Fickle has Ohio State ties and a bunch of guys who were analysts uh, at Ohio State who had moved on with Fickle, who who uh, Joe Burrow really liked, were there, and it was closer to home. Also, Joe's girlfriend at the time had graduated, and she's from Cincinnati. She was going back, so it was it would have been easy for him to do that. And I think a lot of people assume that's what he was going to do, and then he went on this trip to. Uh, 
to Baton Rouge with both his parents as well as his older brother, Dan. And the scenes that we have in the book for, about how that played out and how the LSU staff was just blown away by how smart he was and how, you know, what a presence he had. And, there, and Ogeron told me for the book, he was like, didn't take long to realize that Joe Burrow was the smartest guy in the room. Now you got to remember there were guys in that room who've been football coaches for 30 years at high levels. And here's a guy who really had not played at all at Ohio state. Now, yes. He is a son of a coach. His brother, his dad, Jimmy was the defense coordinator at, at Ohio U. But again, Joe had not played really at all. And so, um, just the recruiting process and him not wanting to be recruited. And, and Ogeron is this great recruiter, but not having a feel like I've connected with this kid. And then you see when he gets to LSU, I mean, like, yeah, there's a, there's a big LSU book, but I feel like this is also like a big NFL book because of if you're a Bengals fan and you want to find out, am I sure about Joe Burrow or not read flip the script? Cause you will see some details of, how he won over the team when they wanted somebody else to be the guy. Most of the team wanted a kid named Justin McMillan who'd been there longer, kind of had the locker room. And so how that evolution took place. And as you guys know, it is such an intangible position. Miles Brennan, who is the, who's now the starter at LSU probably has a stronger arm than, 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 than Burrow does. But just in terms of how decisive Burrow is, how, what a presence he has, and how much people fed off of him, I think, really changed the program. I mean, you're talking about a guy, his first game, they play Miami. It's Miami's at the time a top 25 opponent. It's at, uh, you know, Cowboy Stadium. And it wasn't like he put up big numbers. His numbers were really ordinary. But the two biggest plays of the game were run checks he made that one led to a touchdown, one led to a big first down on a fourth down. And at that point, you know, Ogeron was like, I knew I had a quarterback then. And I think sometimes we all get enamored. You know, we just watched, I mean, as we're talking, like last night, there was Josh Allen, Pat Mahomes. I mean, those guys have ridiculous arm talent, right? And there's a lot to get enamored by that. But I think especially when it comes to college, but even in the NFL, it's like sometimes those guys who just are the intangible guys – are the ones who are going to lead you to a lot of wins. And those are the guys people can rally behind. Well, one guy, I mean, part of it, when you have a, an incredible quarterback, it usually puts assistant coaches on the map. <clears throat> and it definitely did with Joe Brady, who then parlayed that into becoming an offensive coordinator. And they've actually been much better than I think anyone has seen. I, I personally believe he's a lock to get interviews and whenever I tweet that, people will ask, like, what's he like? I know nothing about him. <laughs> You've spent time around him. You know, to me, just the, the, the age and even the look. I mean, he's got a little McVeigh-ish to him, just, just age-wise and look. What's his – is he a future head coach? What's his personality like? What were your thoughts of just being around him? I think he is a future head coach because he's super smart. And there's a little bit of – I don't know if dichotomy is the right word for this. So – you know, the first time I met Joe Brady was the spring before last season and Ogeron had been raving about him to me. And I was like, all right, I want to go see what's up here. Cause, uh, his, the closest thing I would say he had to a mentor at that point was before he went to the saints, he was at Penn state with Joe Moorhead 
and they really hit it off. And Joe Moorhead is now the Oregon offensive coordinator, really brilliant guy and big on the RPO game. And I think that's where Joe learned that. And then Joe got with the saints and he was a sponge and he soaked up, uh, you know, Pete Carmichael and obviously Sean Payton and being around Drew Brees and, um, you go in and sit down and you're like, man, this guy has the, you look at his board and he has the neatest handwriting of any, of any man I've ever seen. Like he should be writing, he should be writing the menus on a chalkboard in some, some expensive cafe or something. But the, the thing that I think stuck with me more, cause I don't think Joe Brady loves the spotlight. I just don't think he has that kind of ego or that kind of personality. I think he's pretty guarded. I mean, he was ne- the thing that was interesting was, and I didn't realize it at the time, but when I had done this sit down interview with him, I had done a story for the athletic about him. This is back in April of whatever it is, 2019, I guess. Um, we were talking and he, at some point he basically said, this is really the first interview I've ever done. And it didn't dawn on me till I really, you know, kind of like maybe went home back to California. I kind of thought about, it. I was like, you know what? He was never a really great high school player. He was like a reserve wide receiver at an FCS school. And then he was never a position coach really in college. Like he was a GA at Penn state. Nobody talks to GAs. And he was uh, basically a, a, a quality control at the saints. Nobody's talking to him then. So I think you have a guy who's, I don't want to say he's naive because he's definitely not naive, but just hasn't really kind of been in that kind of stage yet. But probably the best window I could have for him. And this is why I could see um, why it works. And this is, I think, important. I'd sit in the back of their, their, their team meetings and some of their, uh, you know, when they're on the hotel on the, on the road and you're you in pretty the, good. Damn. You had pretty good access. I had great access. Yes. <laughs> read the, read this book, my access. I'm going to. So, uh, but you know, you're in those, like those kind of banquet hall chairs I'm in the back of the room with, with, you know, O-line GAs and, and that. And most of the staff is in the last three rows, except for Ed, the head coach, who's in the front. And then you're like, you know, early on, I was like, where's Brady? And then you realize there's the little orange, the redhead in the middle with his group of receivers. And Justin Jefferson has his arm around the chair. It's like, like he was one of them. You know, Joe didn't eat the... I'm not saying this never happened because I was with them for, you know, what amounted to three games. But usually when dinner happened, the team dinner in those big banquet halls with all the you know tables and white cloth, um, there was I think there was three tables, um, you know, three or four tables of the coaches would eat. And Joe usually ate with the receivers. Um, and and so and granted, he's he was at the time 30, but it wasn't like he was 20. You know, he was 30 and. I just, you could see, I, I noticed it especially with like, Justin Jefferson has this really uh, gregarious personality. He's a fun kid to be around. And so you kind of saw that. And Jamar Chase has it to somewhat of an extent, probably not to the extent I thought I see with Justin Jefferson, but um, but Joe Brady was like kind of in the middle of those guys, you know? And, and so you'd see him play these like quick reaction receiver games off to the side of practice with them. And he kept everything fun. And so, um, it, you know, it's not going to surprise me if he gets an opportunity. I don't know if, like, I can't tell you I know Sean McVay. So I don't, I've met him, but I don't know him. So I don't know if there's the same kind of dynamic. I don't, 
Like I'm trying to he seems like a pretty strong personality, Sean. Yeah, like right? he definitely looks like he's ready for TV. Yeah. But he's not shying away from the TV spotlight. Like I was thinking like Lincoln Riley is young and Lincoln's brilliant. Um, Lincoln always to me, and I knew him in those leech days, he was always like 19 going on 40 or 35. So like he's kind of been who he is. I don't know. You know, I'm trying to think of like, I think I think Kyle has a little Lincoln in him. You know, he's a little older than his. Yeah, you know, yeah. He's, pretty serious. he's not a huge spotlight guy. Yeah, I mean, I just you know with Joe, just there's an element of it, and I thought like I was lucky that I had that access to see how he was with the receivers. You know, the night before a game, like how he'd you know, I kind of like noticed that, like, oh yeah, he's there, and like he's in the middle of them, and in their in their silliness a little bit, you know? And so, um, there's a you know, he's, he's kind of an interesting person to unwind and I have not really seen, you know, I don't think he's going to go there and all of a sudden, you know, come away. Like to me, he seemed like he was more of an NFL guy in terms of, I think that's probably more, he loves the ball aspect of it and the, and, the plays and the game planning. I think that's where he's really wired for, but I could see, I could have seen him being a good recruiter just because once you got a little below the surface, you could see the relationships with the kids. And that was, that was genuine. He wasn't doing it for my benefit because he, he didn't know I was, you know, sitting back, you know, probably 20 rows behind him and saw it, you know, I want to ask you about Justin Fields because I think, you know, we've got, Ohio State's debut on Saturday, and you're going to be in studio all day for Fox. This might be the easiest big noon kickoff game that Fox has ever scheduled. Ohio State, Nebraska, the opener at the end of October. What I mean, I, it, feel, it feels like it's pretty common here now that the belief is that Trevor Lawrence is going to go number one. There's not much debate there. But what is what does it feel like right now, the window in terms of draft position is for Justin Fields? What, what is it that NFL people need to see from him? You know, I think they need to see him do it again and be consistent. Um, you know, he's got all the talent in the world. I mean, he is a 6'3", 220-pound guy who runs well. He's strong. He's got a terrific arm. I mean, there's people I've talked to who are in that, you know, QB space who've been around both he and, and Trevor Lawrence. Now, granted, they saw Trevor Lawrence when he was coming out of high school, Trevor Lawrence was probably six, six to 10 and wiry muscular. And now Trevor Lawrence's body is filled out, but there's some people like Trent Dilfer's used to think, or not say used to think had said back in those days that Justin Fields was as probably as impressive as any kid he's ever had at the illegal 11. And I think working with Ryan day, Ryan day is very hands-on with that position only helps him that much more. I mean, to me, Justin Fields, is like the the 2.0 version of any Ohio State successful quarterback they've had there, you know, in terms of, and I'm not saying he quite has as much arm strength as Cardell Jones had, but I think, you know, Dwayne Haskins is a terrific uh, passer and he has that. He's, he's as athletic as any of the running quarterbacks they've had. And I think he has shown a level of commitment to be really good. I had a conversation with him not that long ago and you could tell, you know, he's switched to a plant-based diet to lose 15 pounds to be in the best shape of his life. And I think he understands what's at stake. Now I'm not saying he's going to leapfrog, 
uh, Trevor Lawrence, but I think he could make a run at the Heisman. And I think he could make a, certainly a run at the national title because he's got terrific receivers and he's in a really quarterback friendly system. Well, you know, talking to a bunch of NFL people, when you're around a player, they always ask you like, how much does he like football? What does football mean to him? Him leading the charge, or at least being one of the guys on trying to get the season going is going to be a huge plus for him if he improves this year, because that he didn't opt out. He didn't not want to play. He wasn't on the fence. Like to me, he was the leader of the group beside the coaches of like, I want to play football. And to me, that's a huge positive. Like I did, I didn't watch Ohio state that much last year, but I, I am excited to watch this guy just seeing his character play out the way during this virus on how, you know, him leading the charge, which I just know the way NFL people think that's going to be a huge plus for him in, in every draft room. Right. And he, you know, and keep in mind, you know, he's just had an Ohio State quarterback have basically be a one year wonder, get picked in the first round. Now, I'm not saying whether Dwayne's going to work out or not, but, you know, I think one of the things, and, and John, you'd be better to speak on this than certainly, you know, me, is just what people like in those rooms. But if you haven't played all that much, um, you know, I think this is a good opportunity. Look, you're going to get in this situation with Trey Lance. To a, to a large degree in Trey Lance, um, you know, even more so than probably Justin Field at this point, you know, the competition is a question mark, right? It's just, um, I think with, with Justin, you know, we're going to see his development from year one as a player, as a quarterback to year two. And I think the expectations and the target is high for all the things you said. Um, and I'm interested to see, because I don't feel like people... People don't, I don't want to say they don't know a ton about Justin Fields because they certainly know he was a five-star guy and he started his career at Georgia and all that. But, um, you know, I think it's still, still kind of like, Hey, let's see what we have here. Cause everybody has seen a lot of Trevor Lawrence now, you know, he kind of fell in love with him the way he lit up Alabama and the national title game as a freshman. And then, you know, he couldn't keep up with his offense, couldn't keep up with Burrow last year in the national title game, but now they're rolling again. Whereas here, this is a guy who I just think we have a little bit less of a window into at this point. We know you got to run here soon, Bruce. John, I was just going to ask, who's the third quarterback taken in this draft right now? Who, who do people think could be that guy? I'm guessing it's Trey Lance. You know, he had this remarkable redshirt freshman year at North Dakota State, led them to the, to the FCS national title, 28 touchdowns, zero picks. Trey was a guy who was from Minnesota if anybody looked at him in the big 10, it was at as a safety or as a linebacker. So he ends up, he felt very comfortable. He and his dad felt very comfortable with North Dakota state. Obviously the bison have developed NFL quarterbacks, not just Carson Owens, but Easton sick, sick, who was, he was going to learn from for a year. And then, and then stick went on to, I think he was at the chargers. But yeah, I, I think when you look at, at Trey, and you saw he got to play only one game and then he turned, you know, basically declared that he's going in the draft. There was one game against Central Arkansas a couple of weeks ago. And it looked like he was trying to do too much. You know, I don't think I think some of the you know, he wasn't as sharp. He threw his first pick. Now, he, I think people looked at his 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 ability in the run game and were probably pretty intrigued. Um, but I think they're going to want to see more. I think there's guys. You know, at BYU, Zach Wilson is off to a phenomenal start. And he is he's just a really good passer. He moves well. He was not healthy at all last year. Just knowing his OC there, Jeff Grimes, um, they do some funky stuff in the, 
you know, it formation wise and, and they have a lot of guys with a lot of experience. And I think he is somebody who is really, I don't want to say he's rising up NFL draft boards because I don't know that, but I think he's a guy that is flashing on the radar because I think he's accounted for 18 touchdowns and only one pick. Now he has not played against great competition and he probably won't this year. I mean, San Diego state is good. Boise's good, but they're not. Could they make the playoffs if they ran the table or no? It's all such a long shot. I don't think that's happening. I really don't, but I think the best they can hope for is to get into a new year's six bowl where then he would see probably somebody pretty good. Um, to me, this isn't a case of, you know, similar, uh, I mean, where you had three years ago where you had Josh Allen, now Josh Allen did play a few power five opponents and struggled in those games. But, you know, I think, I think Zach Wilson is going to be an interesting evaluation. I think there's some other guys like, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Sean Clifford at Penn state got people excited. I mean, he has, you know, the NFL size that they want. He's a pretty good athlete. I, and the thing that I like uh, that I'm interested about Clifford is now he has Kirk Shiraka who came from Minnesota. He's under the radar, really good quarterback coach. I mean, he, because of him, I think Tanner Morgan became the most improved quarterback in the big 10 last year. And I could see him polishing up uh, Clifford. Who's I know he spent a lot of time with a biomechanics coach. I know who is really feels like he's really developed. And so that's another name that I could see, you know, I'm interested to see what happens there. Well, you know, those are the guys that kind of really, I feel like are ones that are on the front burner of this right now. Bruce, good luck with the book. We appreciate your time. Flip the script. Lessons learned on the road to a championship. I did. Did you get a ring? Are they giving you a ring? <laughs> no, there's no ring. There is uh Hopefully, uh, hopefully, um, I will get some some uh, a bunch of extra copies sent to me. Though we do have uh, we do have the Rock writing the forward of the book, which is something I, I saw that. That's a that's a powerful intro. Yes. <laughs> two hundred uh, million Instagram followers. Yes, and hopefully he'll he'll steer some of those to Amazon to buy this book. <laughs> Thanks, awesome. Bruce. Thank you, guys. There was Bruce Feldman. Before we talk about uh, what he had to say, let's tell you about DraftKings. We got, you mentioned the Zozo. We got a DraftKings game up right now. Download the DraftKings app, enter the promo code HAM. As of recording this guy, we got 30 entries, 75 openings. So we got 45 slots, if I'm uh, my math is correct. Download the DraftKings app, get in our golf game, get in our golf game. Are we going to do a football one this uh, Sunday too? What do you think? Yes, yeah, we can do a hundred football one. Okay, yeah, why not? So do football, but get in the DraftKings. You want to get in the golf? We haven't. I guess we did a we did a little fifty person last week. Got seventy five. Get in it right now. Download the DraftKings app. Promo code Ham. You can you can gamble on anything, right? Or I mean, play fantasy gambling. Not depends legal on in your California. depends on your state. De- though. Depends Some on you your could. state. I think Pennsylvania, Jersey, uh, Mississippi. I, I know we're uh, we're nationwide. So download the DraftKings app. Golf. Football, uh, get on it right now. DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Do it. I like the Joe Brady stuff that that he had to say. Joe Brady as a head coach. Don't you think his personality sounds a little more... Because he is right. McVay is just... Kyle, like when you see Kyle, you don't think like aspirations for television. Like he does not give a shit. Lincoln Riley the same, right? I would say Lincoln feels a little more... Gives you a little more positive vibage than Kyle regularly, but 
you know, it's hard to. I spend more time watching Kyle, so. Yeah. Kyle's just a little drier, I think. Like Kyle says funny stuff just with a straight face. I, I I do. I talked to Lincoln one time three years ago, and I've watched a decent amount. I do think he's a probably a little more serious than he even gets credit for. Maybe he's a little more likely to smile. Now he wins. Just when you coach there, you're winning a lot, right? So the majority of his press conferences are after wins. Like first time Oklahoma had lost back to back games. Like you just see an NFL coach lose more. That's true. And I also think they're just a little more negative even after wins, right? Because just injuries, ha- devastating injuries happen. Uh, Kyle might be the sneakiest negative kind of happy guy. Well, his happiness sneak like his 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 happiness sneaks up on you, right? He'll say stuff that you're like, oh, I guess that was a happy thing. I didn't catch it. I didn't realize it was happening. Because like Gruden, for example, fakes a little bit better. Like I just think he tries to get himself in a good mindset. He's just a little more kind of crazy energetic. Like Kyle doesn't fake being like, I'm not going to give you a fake energy here just to be, like just answer ask me the fucking question. But he does. But see, he never gets that way. Like he'll even when you think like, oh, he's in a bad mood. But then I'll someone will ask him a question and he'll give them everything they need. So it does. I don't know. Maybe those two things don't necessarily coincide. Good answers I, and good moods. I, I do think in 2020, when we were growing up, consistently there were a lot of back and forth. Right? You mean arguments? Coaches? Like, what are you talking? Yeah, about? just le- legit, legitimate arguments from coaches with media. It was a, it was a adversarial relationship at times, just depending on the team and depending on the market. I think most coaches have probably learned there is zero to be gained from it. And at the mo- there are low moments where you just can't control your emotions. Probably, I think we've never seen less, you know, truly adversarial conversations the last several years between the majority of NFL coaches for and even high level college football. Probably happens more in college football. Yeah. Than it, I don't think in the NFL it really happens at all that much. No, Do you? No. I even saw. I was watching some of Belichick. I don't know if you saw this. And someone's like, Bill, how much do you scout the referees? And he's like. Yeah, we we do that. And the guy's like, okay, thanks. And then Bill, because he thought it was over. And then Bill actually was like, uh, yeah, you know, one thing we like to do. And then he kind of got into it. So I, I think it's hard to read, like, to take a bad answer and assume that means a guy's being a dick. I think that's just how some of them like to operate. But I think part of it, too, is I think guys probably realize good press conferences, owners see that. Owners care about that. They, they care about it a lot. Athletics directors who might be the ones presidents might be the ones paying me in the future. They care. TV, maybe I can do a maybe I can be an analyst for the postseason if I'm not in, right? And well, to like me, you if, said, you, it if might you have a good personality, big picture. It's just what's the well, like if you have a, if you have a good personality, what does it behoove you to be fighting with all these guys? You know, I mean, seriously, it just it's got to be a waste of energy. Now, there's also times like Mike Vrabel. Did you see his answer after the game when someone asked him? He's About like, the 12 uh, men on the field thing? Yeah, he's like, you know, we just got to clean up our panel. They ask him, did you do that on purpose? And his response was, didn't even acknowledge the question. It was like, yeah, our penalties, I think we had seven or eight, just way too many, we got to clean up. And then they, I think the guy kind of followed up, like, so you're saying you didn't do that on purpose? Like, yeah, we just need to be more buttoned up. And it was clearly, because remember last year, he copied the Belichick on that punt rule to get the delay game and have time run off. And this offseason, they changed the rule. And I saw someone saying, I would imagine he wants no part of a rule change. Right. Because he's done this twice. And Belichick, and now 
Belichick's version, if Belichick was not 5'10", 215, curmudgeon, he was an NFL football player, is it fair to say he would be Mike Vrabel? Like, this guy is just clearly his carbon copy. And I would be shocked if this rule doesn't get changed. How because do you I think change this rule, back. though? How do you prevent intentional an intentional penalty on too many men? What if you can decline the penalty and have the clock start yeah. running again? You would have to. Because is that not an option right now? It's an automatic first down. I don't think the clock, were they, I think it was like 3.30 left on the, right? 3.30 was left in the I thought it was like 3.10 or yeah, something like that. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, you're right. That's probably the simple solution. It's just you can decline the penalty and then you get whatever, you get the runoff equivalent of of the time. And I think Vrabel's pushback would be, okay, we gave him the first down. They're still at the 20-yard line and we still had three timeouts. Like it was, for sure. they they kept playing defense. Yeah, it was just clearly, and manipulation has a negative connotation, but it was a manipulation in in, in the best way. It was just, it was, it was smart. Like I think it sometimes this happened in the Niner game. The Texans still took the lead and they had to drive the whole field. But to they score just had enough time left. to score. That's right. Yeah. But I thought about it all the time. I think about it late game situations when you are trying to run the clock out, and the Niners did it in their game. I think it was hasty. I think he got like ten yards on first down. And I just remember thinking, you know, you're probably better off. You can't assume that you'll get a first down, but you're probably better off to get nine yards on first down having a second and one, then getting your first down, you get yourself an extra 30 seconds or you know whatever the time would be. Um, and I bet he knows that too. Like to me, if you're running open, you should go down at the nine and a half and not pick up that first. So it's not m- manipulation in a bad way. It's just smart. But yeah, you should have the right probably to decline almost any penalty. I think the punt one, when you could take like, get the, you know, take the false start and the clock would still run. Remember that one. That's clear manipulation. This one, I think you could argue the other side. Well, it doesn't guarantee them to score. They could still fuck up. They end up taking the lead. Like this one is probably a little more gray area. Yep. Truly. It's it's more of just I think this is more of getting a jerk off session from the analytical guys that love it. Because I they, it's not guaranteed to work, you know. There's no question, but nothing is. To me, you just have to judge you. You should not have an it's intentional penalties, right? You should de-incentivize intentional penalties in any situation. True. I This he one doesn't bother seconds. me as much. No, it, yeah, he it just doesn't saved. bother me one bit. He saved 30 seconds, but I would understand closing that loophole, right? Remember Be- when Chip did the thing at the end of the half against the – was it the Saints? In t- he, like, held f- like yeah. three or four times on the goal line when he was the Niners coach. Cal Justin Wilcox did this at North Carolina a few years ago at the end of what, the game. What's the what's the what's the situation again? Well, you, you like get what? half the distance, but the play that the time that came off the clock on the play. So let's say it's first down and goal at the ten for you or yeah. the five, right? And there's forty seconds left. We run a play. All my receivers get all your all my DBs hold your receivers. Eight seconds come off the clock. You get half the distance and another first down, but you don't get the time back. So we do it again. You get half the distance and another first down, but now 16 seconds are gone. You get half, you know what I mean? So you can just do that forever. So you're saying with 10 seconds left, I could just run out the clock. That's what happened with North Carolina and Cal. Cal did it like two or three times. But but you get like a one shot. And I'm just basically, instead of giving you three plays, you're going to end up with just one shot at the one yard line or whatever. Right, right. 
or maybe the five yard line, depending on where you are. It's actually pretty genius. It is. And now you can, they can, I know, in, I think both NFL and college, now the officials, the officials can basically say uh, it's an unfair tactic and like, yeah, they can, they can do whatever they want to make it right. Um, so they could even award a score at the end of the day. Now. Well, remember as the, the chip offenses really took off and the speed of everything, Remember what a go-to move always was, tell your defender to hit the ground. And I noticed it when we were betting on Alabama yes. Ole Miss. Lane was pissed. And he hit it, and Lane went nuts. And it's, sometimes I could just imagine some of these guys just got to be gassed. And I could imagine maybe Nick's like, fucking hit the ground. That one you know, was – I think Lane was – first of all, Lane, you know it when you see it, and then you know what Nick does. But isn't that – to me, the one thing in football that truly has over the other sports is like – Every single play, there's so much tactical manipulation going on just on the most basic premise of the sport, right? The, your defensive play versus my offensive play, time on the clock, the yardage. Like at the end of the day, like even in baseball, which is probably more than basketball, like a two and one pitch in the fourth inning is just a two and one pitch in the fourth inning if no one's on. Like in football, even if you're at the, you know, 30 yard line down 30, you're still trying to run a play, you know, something, you're trying to get looks. Did I I like that. Like that to me is one of the cooler elements of the sport is stuff. Now Vrabel and Belichick always kind of push the envelope. Uh, to me, I give him a lot of just to think like that. Yeah. I think a lot of coaches, but once you think like that, that to me immediately goes viral. Obviously, we it talk about help it. You but, when it goes viral at all. But doesn't every GM and coach and owner talk about that now? Should we implement that? Because that's yeah, right. If I own a team, I'd be like, Well, can we do that? But clearly not everybody is not everybody does it, right? Well, do you believe in, I heard someone talk about this and I do think they're right. When Mike Zimmer went for, on fourth and one in the Sunday night game, they were up five instead of kicking the field goal, making them down eight. He went for it hoping to basically end the game. Instead, he gets stuffed. Russ gets the ball back, drives the field. They win the game. And I think a huge pushback from just a lot of people, not even anti-nerd people, just kick the fucking eight, kick the field goal. It's a chip shot. You go up eight, they not only have to score, they have to get the two-point. And the analytical people who love the theory stuff say even though he didn't get it, they were in the right. And my pushback is that's easy for you to say, and usually that guy's really smart. He's making all these charts. He's, he's going to have a job no matter what. Mike Zimmer could have got fired on the way home. Now, the pushback now is the owner's listen to the number guy because they relate to that guy. So they, I think a lot of these coaches are empowered to do that, knowing their owner tells them, "You're cool. just do what the number guys tells you to do, I'm for. So if you want to do that, I, I'm not going to question you. Yeah. Right? So I, I think that's really empowered these coaches. You can't tell me Zimmer truly believes that. Well, right? I've always, even long before Maybe their defense is a, terrible. became a widespread analytic conversation. I've always just kind of thought, situations where you have one play to win the game, right? Same as like you can kick an extra point to go to overtime or you can get a two-point conversion and win the game. That's that's It's not a no-brainer. Depends on how good is that team on offense. Do you feel like you can stop them? All that kind of stuff. But I've, I've never hated coaches in situations or had a problem with coaches in situations where it's like, you know, it's fourth and one. We're at the 40, we're at their 45. If we get this six inches, this game's over. I've always, sometimes you screw it up. Sometimes it's bad, it goes bad. But I've always kind of understood 
we've got the game in our hands right here. All we can ask for is to get one yard to win a football game. That's all we need. I've never had a problem with coaches who go for it in those situations. I always lean being aggressive. I do think there's a point late in the game that just ensures you not to lose. And this is the pushback from the numbers, guys. Don't play not to lose, play to win. Yeah. And it only ensures that you don't lose in regulation. I, I know, but you still get that two point, as we saw last week. It's, With it's the difficult. Eagles. It, but it's it's really no, difficult. No, know, One, just you're to asking, score a touchdown you score and get twice. the two. Yeah, you got to score yeah. twice on the goal line. I'm with you. I know. It's uh, it's hard. Because I, you, I also, my, my pushback always is, especially in that situation, you're so amped up in a position where you got to score a touchdown under two minutes just to give yourself a shot at the two. It's sometimes hard to gather yourself and get the two, right? Because you're just so fired up. You only got the 40 seconds. You got to corral everyone. Typically, there's a small amount of time left on the clock. There's just a lot going on. You probably don't have timeouts. Feels like everybody throws in that spot. I couldn't believe Doug ran it. Just uh, fucking throw it. Let, let's. Should we look at some lock of the week possibilities here as we look out on a Tuesday? What we might be thinking. Uh, I don't hate the. I, I tell you, well. My first reaction was I don't hate the Eagles minus four, but I do hate the Eagles minus four. I just hate the Eagles. They lost Miles Sanders. They lost uh, Zach Ertz, both injured out. Cowboys pick them at Washington. Uh, I, I, after I put a, I put fifty bucks on the Cowboys last night. I can be honest. I can never bet on the Cowboys again with Andy Dalton. I don't care how many games they lose or win moving forward. If they even do, I can't. How about I, I, the game that jumps out to Bills. me? Is, what's that? Thirteen Jets. Yeah, I mean, I, I get a little bored betting against the Jets, but that's probably the move. Sorry, I, I do. I, I I don't hate the Niner game, plus Niners two and plus a half. Two and a half, yeah. Plus one fifteen against the Patriots. Uh, Seattle coming off a bye against the Cardinals. Those are just probably two teams I just stay away Cardinals from. Cardinals coming off a big win. Titans though. two, Steelers. Yeah, I mean, I, I the Jets are zero and six so far this year with the spread. Is it inconceivable they went 0-16? I, I think I heard Cousin Sal say it's never happened. Against the spread 0-16. Wow. Yeah. Because the lines are only going to get bigger. Um, I'd say like I, I think I heard a, a bad team is typically like 4-12 and against the – like you're just going to – because a shitty team is like the Giants. Like the, you should just cover some spreads. But I think the Jets – are the Jets an outlier to a shitty team guy? Yeah. Yes, because they, they're not the only bad team in the NFL, but they make, but they're the baddest by far, by far, and not in the good way. Yeah, I mean the Bills, Jets. Like, line, what's that? Because didn't we talk about this line the other day? Guessing that it would be over twenty. That's what I said. Yeah, and you thought I was a little crazy. Well, I thought twenty-five right. was crazy, but if we get to Sunday and it's nineteen or twenty, like, I mean, the Bills coming off a bad loss, which. Only makes me feel well, part of it. Like I, I watch the Bills. I Clyde's running it down their throat. Yeah. The Jets have no one to run it down their throat. And part of it is like Allen was off. It was wet. Like I, I do you believe any differently about the Bills just based no. on that game? Yeah, me either. No. Also, the game happened you, at two. I don't hold you accountable for any game that happens at two o'clock Pacific on a Monday. How about this guy? You had just played a Tuesday game, so isn't your schedule all off? So that's my early read, John. Yeah, I, I honestly, guy, it feels like the lock. How about Bears plus five and a half Monday night football against the Rams? Don't hate it. The Rams kicked their ass last year. The Bears, I think, beat them two years ago. You know another game I kind of like? Hmm. 
I saw someone tweet this, like, don't quite count the Lions out yet. They've actually played some pretty good games, had a couple devastating losses. Lions at the Falcons, plus 115. See Julio kind of off the field. I just don't think the Falcons are any good. If you wanted an underdog, plus get some two. good value. Yeah. I, I would just take, hell, I'd take a money line. But the, the safest bet for sure is Bills Jets. All right. Well, I wouldn't hesitate doing By that. By the way, we get Steelers Titans this week. I hope that's a phenomenal game. That's the more, that is a phenomenal game. All right. On that note, adios. Hello. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca Cola, Pepsi, or 7 Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.